We are on the third and final week of a series called Into the New. Just because it's a new year doesn't mean anything is new in our life. Oftentimes it's like the calendar changes, but we, we make the same mistakes. We go to the same places, we do the same things, but you're discovering that you can actually step into the new. And we've talked about three attributes. The first was a warrior's spirit, <laughs> where we, we discovered that there are some things that are worth fighting for. Our faith is worth fighting for. Our families, worth fighting for. Uh, our freedom, worth fighting for. Our future, worth fighting for. Warrior spirit. I'm like, cool. I, I, don't, know, I don't know about you, but I'm like, yeah. The second week was on a servant's heart. That, that the path to greatness that the world wants us to think is that it's that we have the biggest paycheck, is that we have the biggest office, is that the most people report to us. But Jesus showed us that the path to true greatness is living as a servant, living open-handed. It's so like, okay, we can, yeah, warrior spirit, servant's heart. Today, it's a little bit more challenging for me because the topic is on our attitude. The third attribute is having a cheerful attitude. Why? 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 So God, I thank you right now. On this rainy, gloomy day, you would help us discover what it is to have a cheerful attitude, to discover strength in you so our hearts are receptive, our minds are alert, our ears are open. Speak to us in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I was so torn on what translation to uh, read from today. We're going to Philippians chapter four and I had a bunch out on the counter and I said, Lindsay, you decide because I, I, I wanna read from this one but then I wanna read from this one. And here's what Lindsay decided. So if you don't like this translation, take it up with her. The Passion Translation, Philippians 4, beginning in verse 4. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let your joy overflow and let goodness, gentleness rather, be seen in every relationship, for our Lord is ever near. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. I told Lindsay, I said, this says to tell God every detail of your life. It doesn't say to tell your husband every detail of your life. Uh, tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. Put into practice the example of all that you have heard from me or seen in my life, and the God of peace will be with you in all things. Cheerful. Are you a cheerful person? 
Would other people say you're a cheerful person? When you walk into a room, how do people respond? How do you walk into a room? Normally, if I walk into a room, it's just like, what's going on? Hey. Lindsay walks into a room and it's like, what's going on, party people? Where the party at? You know, it's like she's smiling. It, it, if Lindsay had a soundtrack, it would probably be, it'd probably be cool in the gang. You know, celebrate. So, look at those green shoes, man. Just when I thought I got green shoes, you had to out, outdo me. So she comes in and it's like, celebrate, good times. Come on, we're gonna have a celebration. We're gonna celebrate good times. But you might be thinking, oh yeah, I could celebrate good times, but it is not a good time. Right now it is a time of war. Right now is a time of division in our country. Right now it is a time of, of financial stress. It is not a good time. I'll celebrate when it is good. But if you live your life like that and you're only celebrating when you're up, you're gonna be a little bit all over the place. My grandma, Pat, got to visit her last Sunday. And since I was a kid, anytime I asked my grandma how she was doing, she had the same answer. So-so. So-so. How you doing, grandma? So-so. So-so. My grandpa, he was always doing great. How you doing? Great. Me, like, I can be extreme. If life's great, it's like, yeah! If it's not, like, this sucks. You ever find, like, it can be a little bit like a roller coaster? I don't know about you, but I'm too old to go on roller coasters. And if that's all that it is, is it possible to be cheerful and to have joy? Not just for everything, but in everything, through all the ups and all the downs, that you can be cheerful in every season, but you don't have to be cheerful for every circumstance. So we're, we read from Philippians, and we read these words, and we're like, that sounds like a happy dude. Paul must have been in a really great place. Like Paul must have been experiencing a fantastic season. Maybe he was on the beach and he's writing this from a beach. Or maybe he's in the mountains and he's writing it from the mountains and life is up. He is writing this after he has been unjustly arrested, put in prison, similar to, to house arrest. He does not have the freedom that he had before and yet he is writing these words from prison. Hey, anyone here ever been to prison? Anyone here ever been arrested? This is where the security team is like, okay, look at row 10, row 10. <laughs> like, I don't know if I've ever been arrested. I don't know if this counts. I was in the middle school and we were on a church trip to Raging Waters and my mom did not give me enough money and you know, food there is very expensive. I had plenty of sunblock, but not enough money. And so 
like it's midway through the day and I'm hungry. I'd spent all the money I had and it's like nothing. I'm like, you're just, you're soaking in chlorinated pee water. They're at Raging Waters. You're just like, it's just, it's hot. You're like, nothing sounds better than a churro. I, 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 just, I, ju- I, ju- I just want a fried piece of bread that has some cinnamon and sugar on it. But I didn't have any money. So my friend and I are walking past the lockers. There was another guy there from our youth group and he was eating a Kentucky Fried Chicken meal. Now, Raging Waters did not sell Kentucky Fried Chicken. Asked him, did you bring that with you? He says, no, I was just looking through lockers because it's, do you know how much it costs to lock these lockers? Some people just put stuff in the lockers and think no one's gonna look. So if you check the top row, you can find things. I found this. Want some? No, <laughs> you don't know. Was that from this morning or was that from like last summer? <laughs> I don't think Kentucky Fried Chicken will even grow mold. You know, it's similar to like McDonald's. Like it just, it'll last forever, you know? <laughs> but we start looking through the lockers and all of a sudden we find a few dollars, just enough to buy a churro. We're thinking here, oh, the churro is gonna taste so good. We're at that moment, we get, my friend and I get thrown against the lockers. It is the Raging Waters security guard who, who I don't think passed the psych test to become a police officer and thought he was gonna keep the world safe at Raging Waters. He handcuffs us, parades us around the whole park, like thinking he made the biggest bust ever. You know, I was like, I'm not El Chapo, man. Like, <laughs> but takes, takes us to the security office. I'm in handcuffs, sitting in a chair in the Raging Waters security office. And I did the only thing I knew to do, I prayed. Dear God, you are so gracious. You are so loving. You are so kind. Please send my mom to pick me up and not my dad. <laughs> I was worried, like, I was so worried, is, is my dad gonna, is gonna pick me up? The Apostle Paul has something much greater to worry about than who's gonna pick him up. He doesn't know if he's even gonna continue living or if he's gonna be executed. He's facing the possibility of death. He is writing this facing a serious situation. I know some people here, you have a lot to worry about. There's something going on in your family and you're like, this is, we got a lot to worry about. Maybe financially, you're, you're here and you're like, I'm supposed to provide for, for my family, but, but I'm worried because we might not have a place to live if we get evicted. We're, we're worried. I was talking with someone recently who's going through a crazy custody battle and is just caring about, about their kids because of the environment that they might be in. We, we can have a lot to worry about. So what do we do when we face worry? A lot of people will turn to a pill. Prozac, Xanax, Lexapro, but the Apostle Paul doesn't offer us a pill. He offers us a plan that you can overcome worry and not be overcome by it. And someone needs to cheer up. Look at the person next to you and say, cheer up, cheer up. In the NIV, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Verse 6. The Greek word translated anxious means to be pulled in different directions. You ever feel like your hopes pull you in one direction and your fears pull you in another? You hope 
He's going to ask you to marry him, but you're kind of worried. He's going to say, hey, I think it's time to move on. You, you're hoping that the chemotherapy works for that family member, but you're worried it's not, and they're going to pass away. You're, you're hoping your family is restored, but you're worried it's not going to happen. We, we, we can feel like we're being pulled in different directions so much to the point that we feel like we're being pulled apart. You ever been there? The old English root, root word for worry means to strangle. That's where the word worry came from, to strangle because our worries will strangle us. Some of you know what that's like at night when you can't sleep and you're worried and you're worried and you have a hard time breathing. It, it can feel like you're being strangled. Worry has physical consequences. Worry can give you headaches. Worry can, can give you neck pain and can give you back pain. Worry can even give you ulcers. I went through a season that I was so worried I ended up losing 30 pounds in a month. I was like, I didn't feel like I had 30 pounds to lose. I was not trying, but, but I could not eat. I could not keep food down. Worry will, will impact your thinking. Worry can impact your digestion. You know that worry can even impact your coordination. You see athletes who have sports psychologists because in practice, they're great. In practice, you look at them and they're like, oh my good, look how amazing they are. And yet they get in the game and they begin to, to lock up because what starts in our minds works its way to our hearts and into our bodies. From a spiritual point of view, worry is wrong thinking and it is wrong feeling. It's hard to understand that because we live in a culture where everyone worries. It seems normal. Have you ever heard the phrase, misery loves company? But people, they don't, they don't really want you to have joy or be cheerful because they like the company. But is there a different way? We're worried about circumstances. We're worried about what people are gonna do. We're, we're worried about things. And it takes more than good intentions to get over worry. It takes more than putting on a little bit of Bob Marley and don't worry about a thing because every little thing's gonna be all right. So you're like, rise up this morning, smile like the rising sun. Three little birds perched on my window, singing sweet songs of melodies pure and true. This is my message to you. You're like, don't worry about a thing. Every little thing's going to be all right. Don't worry. You're like, yeah, but every little thing's not going to be all right. Bob Marley died of skin cancer, people. What, 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 do we, what do we do with worry? It takes more than good intention. It's not enough to tell ourselves, don't worry about it. Anyone ever tell you, don't worry about it? Don't. Take a hike, you know? Don't, I'm, I'm worried. Worry will rob you of joy. You ever been robbed? You've been robbed? 
You, you, <laughs> there was a young kid at the nine, never! <laughs> like, dude, you're 10. <laughs> Lindsay, years ago, was staying over at her sister's house in Chicago, was visiting, and, and homes in Chicago have basements. We don't know about that here. So you go in, there was the main floor, there was upstairs, and then, then there was the basement. No one was sleeping on the main floor. Lindsay was, was sleeping down with one of the kids on the bottom floor. Her sister was upstairs with a few more of, of the kids. And, and in the middle of the night, all of a sudden she hears things start breaking. Someone had broken to the house. And like, this is Chicago. This is like in the city of Chicago. Like there's good parts of Chicago and there's bad parts of Chicago, but frankly, it's all Chicago. You know, it's just, people just get angry when it gets 10 degrees below zero, you know? <laughs> it, it, they, she, she, she froze. She, she, she wanted to grab her phone and call, but, but she couldn't even move. The, the house was robbed. They took the car, they took purses, but they never went upstairs. And they never went downstairs. They were robbed. Worry is robbing you of your cheer. Worry is robbing you of your joy. And I want to articulate from the Apostle Paul's writings, three, they're not steps, it's aspects, three aspects to live a life where you have a cheerful spirit. And we're gonna start at the end. Is that okay with you? We're gonna do it anyway. We're gonna start at the end and then we're gonna work our way to the beginning. Where do we wanna end up? We wanna end up being a cheerful person. We want to end up having joy. We want to end up where we are actually living this thing. The, the final aspect of this, the final stage, if you were to call it that, would be living a life of action. We're not called as followers of Jesus just to have only it's all on the inside. It shouldn't just be an inner feeling. It should be an outer action. Has anyone ever told you, don't do as I do, do as I say? It's like, that's a hypocrite. Like, we, we should live what we speak. There should be accuracy in that. We should not only say it, we should show it. It shouldn't just be facts in our head. It should also be truth in our hearts. When I was a kid, we'd sing a song. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Down in my heart, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. And we'd all dance. You know, obviously I can't dance. <laughs> you can be, but, but, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I'm so happy, so very happy. But we look around the world today and we see followers of Jesus that do not look very happy. I've got the anger of the world, anger of the world down in my heart. I've got the bitterness of, of disappointment down in my heart. So if people are looking at us, why would they want to be like us? Oh, you follow Jesus and you're miserable? I'm miserable too. Why do I need to follow Jesus? That, that we should end up in a place where we're not faking a smile, but we have true joy. It doesn't mean that we're happy about everything going on around us, but we have joy flowing in and through us, that we are actually people of action. We are living it. Paul is writing this 
from a prison cell. Paul is writing this from being surrounded by a problem, living in a problem. You can be living in a problem and still have peace. You could be living in a problem and still have joy and still be cheerful. He's cheerful because of what he's living for and what he's living on. He's living for making the gospel known and he's living on the power of the Holy Spirit. And when your life is like, I'm here to make the gospel known, I'm here to share the love of Jesus and I'm living on the power of the Holy Spirit, you got, then you discover there is the peace of God that is guarding you and there is the God of peace that is guiding you and you can actually cheer up. You, you realize you get to a place of action. Now, if you, if you end up on a place of action where you're actually living cheerful, what needs to come before that? What needs to come before that is affirmation. Affirmation. Now, I'm not talking about affirmation as it's being used in our world today. You know, just affirm your kids, whatever they feel, whatever they, they think they're this, affirm it. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm talking about our thought life. Thoughts cannot be measured, thoughts cannot be seen, but they are real and they are powerful. There was a study, and this study showed that over 90% of what people worry about is either imaginary, never happens, or things they have no control over. That means less than 10% of what we worry about actually have a real reason to worry about it. Have you ever gone on a bridge? Anyone ever been on the Brooklyn Bridge? Golden Gate Bridge? A bridge connects two pieces of land. There is a bridge between our minds and our hearts that what starts in our minds makes its way into our hearts. That what starts as a thought becomes a feeling. Peace involves the heart and it involves the mind. You're wondering why you're miserable in your marriage right now and all, you, you're like, I don't, even, I, have, I don't have any good feelings for my spouse anymore. That's because for years you were thinking negative things about them. Why are you miserable at work? And you're like, I just, inside, I just, it's just the feeling. I don't even want to be here because for so long you were thinking about it in a certain way. There is a bridge where the thoughts end up becoming, becoming feelings. I love, like, I love movies and uh, I love mob movies. I think I secretly wanted to be a gangster. Yeah. <laughs> And there's a lot of good mob movies. I'll probably offend some people if I start mentioning them, but you know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you look at movies like The Godfather, that's a good movie. Goodfellas, well, come on, you all know you just want to be like, they come to get you, say hello to my little, <laughs> you know, like, it is like, just like, I love, and what happens is they'll take someone Who's, who's going to go to court and testify against the other gang members? I know all this because of the mob movies, by the way. I'm an expert. And they'll put them in protective custody so that the mob can't get to them. 
we need to put our minds and our hearts in protective custody so that the enemy can't get to it. You need to put your mind and your heart in protective custody so that the toxic people at your workplace can't get to it. You need to put your mind and your heart in protective custody. Can't get, you can't always determine what gets into your mind, but you can determine what stays in your mind. Like, why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling this way? It's because you were thinking that way before and now it has led to a feeling. So when we start thinking something, a thought enters our mind, are we gonna keep repeating it? Some of the thoughts that we repeat, <laughs> like, you're like, you're just thinking about all the bad things that might happen. You start thinking about like, oh no, they say there's disease X coming up that might kill everyone. Like, oh no, they're, you wake up on a Monday morning and you start thinking about all the negative things people might say to you. All the, all, like what we put in our minds, when something comes into our mind, we're like, okay, I'm gonna throw it in the trash if it's not healthy, if it's not from God. I don't think that's a good idea because we have a lot of dumpster diving Christians who've put things in the trash and gone back and got it later. I'm suggesting put it to the shredder. You ever shred documents? Be like, I'm hiding it from the feds. I don't even know what, I'm hiding it. Hide it from yourself. Like you don't wanna go back to those things, those toxic thoughts, those disruptive mindsets. Put that, there are things that you want to think about over and over things that are pure, things that are holy. Some of us, we're, we're just watching so much online that we're filling our minds and we're thinking over and over rather than filling it with God's word. God wants to think about things that are pure and authentic and right and not toxic. Those sort of things, put them through the shredder and let your mind be focused on that which is from God. We need to guard the areas that rob us of worry. It is our minds and it is our hearts. So, we know we want to end up now at a place of action. Unless you're here and you're like, no, I just wanna be miserable. Uh, do you wanna have a cheerful life? You wanna genuinely be happy? I think all of us like to be actually genuinely living it, not faking it, living that. But before that happens, we need to affirm certain things in our mind who God says we are, what God says we can do. But what needs to happen before that? Starting from a place of adoration, adoration. I'm talking about prayer. The prayer carries the idea of adoration. Adoration, it speaks to seeing the, the majesty and the greatness of God. You see, so often we rush into God's presence to tell him our problems. It's just a list. It's like, oh no, we have a big problem. And we tend to only take our big problems to God. We should take everything to God. What happens is we wait, we, we take our big problems to God and if we, the little problems end up becoming big problems and then we take them to God, but they never would have become a big problem if we took them to God when it was a little. Take everything to God but we tend to rush, rush into God's presence. God, I got a big problem. 
my, my marriage. God, God, I have a big problem. This doctor's report, we tend to rush into God's. So that's what we think. We think prayer is highlighting how big our problems are. Adoration. Seeing the greatness, the majesty of God. Because we want to end up in action. We need to have affirmation, but then we need to start at a place of adoration. Now, this is a lost aspect of prayer, I think, in our American church, where we really adore God's majesty. So what if you're facing something big or you're facing something small, and your first response is to get into God's presence and to focus on how great God is? How do you do that? Well, JT, come on up here real quick. I think we all got a JT in the house, right? You may not have a JT at your house, but you have an iPhone. I was gonna say, you have a record player. I'm like, what, from the 50s? <laughs> put, a, put a CD in. <laughs> Get a cassette tape. There's a different way to look at prayer, to start. Where, where before you get into all the problems, you rush, you, you rush into God's presence and you just start worshiping. Maybe something like, I, I exalt. I Wait, wait, so you're, you're saying that in the midst of, I just got a bad doctor's report, in the midst of my husband just announced that he's not coming back, that I can actually rush into God's presence and not tell him about all that stuff, that I can actually start with, I, yes, I, ex I exalt You're not ignoring that other stuff, you're just acknowledging that I, yes, I need to see how big my problems are. I need to be reminded of how big God is. I exalt oh Lord. It'll change, it'll change, it'll change, it'll change. I ex yes, I exalt I exalt greater we need to be reminded you can just begin to declare how great how great is our, is our God. he's greater than your problems sing with me how great is our God and all will see how, how great, great how great is our God the problem will still be there the doctor's report will still be there but how great, how great, how great is our God. Is our God. Just sing with me. Sing with me how great is our God. All will see. 
what you've been doing is working for you keep doing it I'm just suggesting something different something that Paul is discussing here is being reminded about how great God is and then when you're in God's presence you remember how big he is then you bring him your problems then you bring him your issues then you bring him your stuff and it's amazing that once you're reminded how great God is your problems don't seem just as big like yeah they were too big for me but they're not too big for God God is greater than that. In fact, right now, if you're facing a problem, if you're facing something, maybe something you've been praying for, or maybe something you're like, I should have been praying for that. It could be a relationship challenge. It could be a financial issue. It could be an inner turmoil, whatever that is. If you want to take it to God, I want to ask you right now, would you just lift your hand in the air? I want to pray for you right now. We're, we're living out this teaching in the moment. If you're sitting next to someone who has their hand raised, would you just reach your hand towards them? God, I lift up every individual with their hand raised to you. Every hand is a person. Every person has a story. Every story has pain. Thank you that you are a God who sees, who knows, who cares. I ask you, God, that you would heal those with crushed spirits. That you would relieve those who are drowning in despair. That you would restore broken relationships. That you would heal sick bodies. That you would calm tormented minds. That you would provide for those who are experiencing a season of lack. Nothing is too great for you. You are greater than it all. Do this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you, would you just put your hands together? Would you, don't clap for me. Would you just thank God ahead of time? Just, just right now, thank Paul. Paul says to do all this with thanksgiving, to do all this with gratitude. You see, we are so, we're so quick to complain and so slow to think. I want to ask someone this afternoon, would you write God a thank you note? You're like, I don't know where to mail it to. <laughs> Maybe you just want to write him for what he's done in the past. Maybe you want to write him a thank you note for what, for what you're believing for in the future. Maybe you just want to write him a thank you note for being a God who always sees and who always cares. It's amazing as you just start thanking God 
how things, how things start shifting. You see, you're gonna get to this place of living in joy, of, of being a person where you're like, I'm not, I'm not an actor, but I'm taking action on living a life of joy. But before that, you're like, some things I need to affirm in my mind, but before that, it's like I got to get to a place of just adoration with God. The Apostle Paul writes here in 1 Thessalonians, I love this. Be cheerful no matter what. No matter what? No matter what. You're like, well, my... You're like, well, Lindsay yelled at me this morning, should I? Y'all know that ain't true. <laughs> Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Jesus Christ to live. Some people are like, I, I don't know what God wants for me. I don't know. You don't know what he wants. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. You'll discover that when you start with how great God is, all the problems in your life start looking so much smaller.